Good afternoon and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. I just love doing this show, having a chance to connect with you, our listening friends. I know that you really, on this station, are getting the Bible teaching programs from some incredible Bible teachers. It's our privilege of bringing those to you on Bot Radio Network. And this program is designed to connect with our community. Now, sometimes we provide other things, interviews with somebody in Israel. We might be in Branson. You know, there's a variety of things that we talk about on the show. But I love it when we can get together with a pastor and talk about their heartbeat for ministry. Of course, I do a program called Pastors Forum that airs Sundays, and we interview a different pastor each week and talk about their ministry. But uh, sometimes we actually bring pastors and ministers on this program on Mid-South Viewpoint. Today, I'm privileged to welcome Brennan Hill. Brennan is the youth and young adult pastor at Pursuit of God Church in Memphis. Of course, that is the ministry of my dear friend, Pastor Ricky Floyd, who has been on this program many, many times. But let's welcome Brennan. Brennan, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. You know, I was actually praying and asking God, who should I have on Mid-South Viewpoint program? And a lot of times when I'm doing this pre-COVID pandemic time, I'm trying to plan out. But, you know, people's lives have changed during this pandemic. And even how I produce this show has changed. I want to kind of stay relevant. And so I've been getting closer to the deadline, getting shows together. So I called you yesterday, did not know it was your birthday Happy birthday again. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Did you have a good one? Man, I had an absolutely great birthday. I have a lot of wonderful people around me, and they made it very special. Yesterday was your birthday, and then your fifth year wedding anniversary to Brittany was on Mother's Day. Big question, Brennan, is did Brittany get two for one on Mother's Day, flowers for five years, and being the mother of your daughter, or did you treat her right, cook her dinner, and clean the house, too? I don't know. She got a little bit of all of it. Uh, the funny thing is she got all of that, and I got a sprained ankle trying to be young and, and outplay the kids on the basketball court. So she was a little upset about that a little later on. In the day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. you got to be careful about those kind of things. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, your bones are not the same uh, at 21 as, as they are at 32. But that male ego has a sense to slip in there sometimes, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was all ego, all flesh, all flesh. <laughs> well, what was life like growing up in California? Because I understand that's where you grew up. Sure, yeah. Originally from California, I stayed there with my mom. Uh, she was a single mother. Uh, I had a, uh, a godparent that kind of really helped raise me a lot. And, uh, man, it was interesting because I didn't stay there very long, but I was there long enough to kind of just recognize the area, stayed in Oakland, uh, and then San Diego. We had an amazing time, and then we ended up moving to uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and that was a culture shock for me. Uh, but stop yeah. right there. When you say yeah, yeah. when you say culture shock, what do, what do you mean by that? It was just a different culture. You know, a lot of the people uh, that I was around in uh, California, it was nothing for me. Like my best friend was Asian, and I wore cowboy boots. And you know, uh, a lot of other people there were uh, Hispanic or. You know, it was just a lot of different types of culture there in California. And then when I moved to Memphis, it was like sectioned off, not necessarily just different color or different races or economic groups. It was just, you know, you know, you had a group of people over here, you had a group of people over there. It wasn't really a, a lot of racism, but it was a lot different, 
living in uh, Southern California. Yeah. California, especially Southern California, L.A., you had those L.A. riots. You know, you've had some racial tension in that part of the country, too. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just being able to gauge that. But, you know, I moved to Memphis so young. Uh, I think I was roughly around six or seven that I really consider myself a Memphian now. How did you connect with Ricky and Sheila Floyd? How did they become instrumental in your life? You know, uh, Sheila Floyd was my mother. She carried me for nine months, nine whole months. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, he was moving to California to marry another woman. Now, he's originally from Memphis, but he was moving to California to marry another woman. And uh, that didn't work out. And he, he had vowed. He's like, you know what? I'm not marrying nobody else. And then literally like a week or two weeks later, they met. And what's funny is they went to the same church, but they met on the dance floor at a club. So, you know, and that was the beautiful fairy tale Disney story of how they met. And so that's how I actually got to Memphis because they decided they were in love and they wanted to move to Memphis. But it was one of the greatest decisions, uh, I believe, that happened for all of us. Hey, Brennan, when did you first hear about Jesus and understand what he did was so relevant for your life? I heard about Jesus, but I didn't understand the second part of that question uh, when I first heard about him. I heard about him. It was more of like a celebrity at the first point. And when I heard about him, church and ministry wasn't something that I was really big uh, in when we moved from California. But when I got to Memphis, uh, one of the things Pastor Rick, where well, he wasn't pastor then, but uh, my dad, Pastor Rick, he did was he took us to a church. And this church, they started in their living room. And I think this was one of the greatest, now that I think about it, I think this is one of the greatest opportunities to really to introduce Christ to someone who wasn't really familiar with it um, at that age. We They had church service in their house. So I only resonated uh, being a Christian and living a godly lifestyle, how this family operated as a Christian. Rather than going to a church where most people usually kind of put on a show, but I was able to actually see how they interacted as a family. Uh, and I think that was the first time I was introduced to him, and then it just grew from there. So you really saw Jesus lived out in the home, not just a religious thing, but really a relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's one of the greatest. Uh, and, and to me, it was just lifestyle evangelism. It was just how I can look at someone's lifestyle and say, you know what? I want to know the God that they serve. Brennan, I really love that. And Brittany, how did you meet your wife? 2004, her and her parents walked into the church. We were just really getting started as a ministry. My dad came to me that day. He's like, son, your wife walked into the church. I was like, where is she at? I wanted to see her. And when I saw her, I said, she's too pretty to be my wife. Uh, I don't know if I have a chance with her. And she looked a lot older than I did. <laughs> and so in 2004, that's when I met her. And I was friends with her sister. Her sister was working with me in media. Man, I told her sister to put a plug in her ear for me. And, you know, rest is history. Was it her looks that called you to pursue her? And how did God confirm that she would be your wife? I don't know. I don't know if I was listening to God, but I trusted the God in my, <laughs> in my dad when he said it. But yeah, most definitely look, you know, I think that's, I think at 15, I think that's all you're really looking for yeah. right now at the, at the point you don't really know her. But uh, I think that was one of the first drawing factors is just really how she carried herself. 
it was a very uh, mature and confident confidence that she had when she walked in the door. And you know what? I like her. I want to get to know her. So that's that's kind of how it came about. So it was kind of an arranged marriage in a roundabout way. <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I mean, uh, yes and no. <laughs> and so what about Brittany's background? Was she raised in the city here? Yes, she was. She's uh, originally from Memphis, and uh, her background, she actually uh, was in a lot of different ministries and churches, so she understood kind of like that lifestyle, but she didn't, you know, she didn't really like what she saw in it. And so, you know, when we connected, it was just something that we were able to kind of just connect in because when she met me, it was in ministry, and we both loved to serve, and so did our parents, and that's how they connected, but I think that was really one of the drawing connecting factors between the two of us. Yeah. Well, your wife, Brittany, recently posted on Facebook. She says, so many of us think that being in a relationship is just something cute. However, your relationship should have a destination plan on where it's going in life. Brennan, where is yours taking you? How did you and Brittany develop a destination plan? Great. You know, one of the things that, you know, uh, our parents teach us, you know, without a vision, you know, the people perish. And, you know, we got to make sure that we have visions for our household first. And, and when you have a vision, you have a destination in mind, right? You might have a destination in mind. God will usually take it further as long as you just make an action step. Uh, but one of the things that we always want to make sure that we do is we want to always put a vision in place and plan for our relationship. As busy as we are, we want to make sure that the household gets taken care of first. Just like I was talking about when I first met that family, how is your lifestyle first, you know? Because until then, uh, what you say is just, you know, just knowledge rather than you as a person or your lifestyle. So I think we just have a vision. You know, what is our vision for our relationship? You know, she's just not pretty, she's, you know, and, and, and you just can't just dress good and be handsome. Where is your uh, relationship driving you to? What purpose, what vision, what goals do you have as a, uh, as a relationship, as a couple? If you're dating, where is this going? I think that's a lot of what she was alluding to. So for us, you know, I'm going to tell you a, a testimony about vision that was as recent as yesterday. Earlier this year, we kind of just renew our vision and plans and goals for each year. And one thing I told her, I said, you know what, you know, this was before COVID-19. Uh, but I said, you know what, baby, we need to make sure that we travel more. Um, I want to get out because the last three years since we had our daughter, you know, ministry has really been flowing and we've been doing that a lot. And I don't want to make, I don't want to have that take precedence over my wife and my family because it can happen so easily. And so I said, you know what? We need to travel. We need to travel. She's like, okay. All right. I said, we need to get out more. We'll put more people in place to get some stuff done, but we need to travel. This is a vision and direction of plan for our life. Okay. So yesterday I have a phone call with somebody I haven't talked to in a minute. And that person said, you know what? The Lord put on my mind, uh, put on my heart to bless you guys. Whenever all this stuff is over with COVID-19, is that you guys, I want you guys to pick a destination uh, for you to take a, uh, a vacation, which is you and your wife, and I'm paying for everything. And she immediately downloaded the money, uh, sent the money to me, a full uh, expense paid trip to wherever <laughs> I wanted to go. Oh, my. 
Praise God. Yeah. I mean, we're in, we're in tears. My wife is in tears. Why? It's because there's a destination. There's something that we work to. And when we begin to set our energy in motion, in motion, right, then it's just like everything else has to line up. And that's who we are as children of God is when we make our petition known and we've been faithful and we just say, you know what, and then we have agreement and unity. God shows up in the midst. And I don't think I know because of that, because we had a destination, and this is just one part, this is just one testimony, because we have a destination, because our relationship is driving us in a certain direction, then I feel like everything else in the universe has to line up what we say. And I think some couples get, you've been married five years, I've been married 36 years, and so it's easy to get trapped in routine, the same old, you know, and you do the same things. But thinking outside, being adventuresome, you know, looking at ways like taking these trips you're talking about together, you know, getting beyond your world and and looking to new horizons, so important. I know you've only been married, as we mentioned, five years, but what are the five things, which really is one thing for every year you've been married, that you've learned about being in a relationship with your wife, which you think most men often overlook? Oh, wow, wow. You know, what's funny, we just did a video kind of talking about it, and I gave kind of like two points. She gave two, and then we gave one together. Uh, I think the first thing um, um, that I've learned is that, you know, becoming one is an everyday process. It's just not something you do at the altar when you say, I do, and you get to kiss the bride and get to take her home. No, 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 no. It's it's an everyday process. You know, the enemy is always trying to uh, come against unity, especially in marriage. He did it as early as Genesis in the Bible <laughs> and uh, <laughs> with Adam and Eve. And so uh, becoming one, you know, becoming one is more green and beginning to flow and come into unity and agreement with your spouse and your partner. Uh, number two, making sure that we understand that, you know, I'm not a half, she's not a half, and together we don't make a whole. No, I am a whole person before I get into this relationship. You know, I bring my whole full 100% to this relationship because that's what God wants me to do. And that's why I was always tell single people, man, your single self is the most important part of your life. You know, everybody thinks that if I'm not married, I'm not successful. You know what? You need to you need to make sure that you become the best you, you can be as a single person. Because when you become married, when you try to really, really, and, and there's no problem with it, but when you really, really begin to start honing in on who you are, in Christ, you know, you have to get the other person on board with you. But what if that person meets you doing your purpose and your God-given talent um, and direction and vision, they can come alongside of you, you know, just like like Eve did. Like yeah. Adam was already working with his purpose. Right. Another thing is for men, big one is, you know, you can't rule your house by fear. Uh just because you might be the stronger or the louder, which is changing now because <laughs> you have, we have tough women now. <laughs> and uh, But you just can't rule your house by fear. You, you know, you just can't be, you just can't get upset and, and, and bang the table when you're trying to get your point across because, you know, women have more words than men. And so we get upset. I can't get it out, right? You know? yeah, yeah. So uh, just don't rule by fear because... Uh, the only person that rules by fear is, is 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 Satan, the enemy, and you don't want to be an enemy to your spouse. No, uh, and, and that was a big, big type. Like you know, I saw so many men actually do that in the relationship. And I said, you know, even to their children, I'm like, don't rule by fear. You know, ask more questions. You know, and I guess that that'd be number four. Ask more questions. 
Ask more questions, man. You know, and, and we always say the same, man. When when you're asking questions, you're not you're in control, not in a not in a way of where you're in control over a person. It's just you just in more in control of your environment, your presence, and how you do certain things. And when you ask more questions, it, it helps you put off a sense that I'm more concerned. I, I care about what you think. You know. Yes. Yeah. And I want you to hear what I I want you to hear what I'm saying, but I care about what you think. And I think that helps a long way. And I think the last one is, uh, man, let me think. Uh, there's plenty of them. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of them. Uh, but but you know, those are those are some ones that I really have kind of recognized in myself. I, here's another one: support support your spouse and push them. Come alongside their vision goals and plans, and ask them what they want to do. That's really good, Brennan. Because you know, so often we as guys we're so career oriented, we're so driven, and we're looking for support from our wife when we get home. You know, to boost us up, to build us up, and we've got to take time to step back and and do what you said. I think that's so important. Right, absolutely, and and I've seen it. I've seen the nature of relationship change when men and fellas, my friends or whoever have stepped back and took an opportunity to ask their spouse, what do you want to do? What 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 makes you happy? You know, I think those are great tips and nuggets that I've learned. You know, I still don't know a lot, especially with being five years up. But I've been with my wife since we were 15, so we're now 32, so I'm guessing I've, I've stopped counting how many years. <laughs> it's been wild now. Well, you know, the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. You know, you found yeah. yours at a young age. Well, that's nothing wrong with that. You've grown in love and in life together. Right, absolutely. And and I like the second part of that uh, uh, that verse as well. You, you obtain favor. And, uh, you know, there's some things I can do on my own, but there's much more I can do yeah. uh, with my spouse. Well, Brennan, your ministry at uh, Pursuit of God Church Memphis, of course, is related to youth and young adults. What does youth ministry and your ministry look like these days with COVID-19 pandemic? A lot of FaceTime and Zoom calls. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, a lot of them call, call me and tell me they're bored and stuff like that. So what we try to do is we try to get them up to the church while we're doing some uh, planning and stuff as far as whenever that time is for us to get back into uh, actual physical service. Uh, but what we're doing is we're taking this time to really train our young people on how to be the church. A lot of times uh, in church, especially in the African-American context, and we teach our, our, our young people to be the up-and-coming church. And I, and, I, and I really want to challenge a lot of people who think that way. They're not the up-and-coming church. They are the church. Yes. You know, when you read the Bible, Jesus was reading in the synagogue at 12 years old, right? 12 years old. And then when you begin to look at a lot of uh, 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 big characters in the Bible. Well, even, even Paul said to Timothy, don't let them look down at you because of your youth. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and that was one of the biggest things because we were losing, and, and, and this was across the board in, in just ministry. You know, you just lose the young people once they graduate high school because we, we, we put them in youth church. And, and, and then when they get to college, you know, and they don't have the responsibility or their parents are not taking them to church anymore, then it's just not a priority on the list. But when they become responsible for something in the church, you know what, if you don't do this, this does not get done. And I think that helps them make that correlation. You know what? I'm needed in the church. Like, my voice is needed. You know, and I was thinking about, I always did this thing, even with millennials, which which are now almost 40 years old now. We're not, you know, 
millennials are not children anymore. You have right. another generation and then another generation underneath that. It's just the fact that we're trying to figure out how to reach more young people. And the problem is we at the table and don't have those people represented at the table. So how are we going to reach new people? How are we going to reach that group and that target if they're not at the table? So I feel like we are creating space. And this, what we consider a pandemic, I'm considering a blessing. Wow. We are creating a space for young people to have a seat at the table. Wow. So we can no longer be doing ministry in church as we were doing as normal. And they began to see themselves as a vital part, a vital organ of the church. Wow, Brennan, I love that. Have you seen any surprises in the way God has worked through this virtual ministry experience? Uh, yes. Uh, I think I don't think we are reaching more people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think that's one of the greatest things. I just feel like this is kind of one of the, the, the concepts that really the God wants us to understand is, let's get outside of the four walls, you know. Even though we were outside of the four walls church already, but still we had to kind of bring up a lot of our, uh, our ministry online because now where it is you were reaching 400, 500, 600 on a big day, you know, now, you know, you're going to just seeing 12,000 and 15,000 and being more cautious about, you know, not necessarily cautious, but you just understand that you're reaching more people. You're reaching a wider range of people and, and they can have it as conveniently as on their phone, you know? And I think, I think it's just stretching a lot of us in a good direction. And for those who are, are, are not upset with the stretching, you know, we're embracing it. Yes. We're, we're, we're growing. I hope that answers your question. Oh, it does. And what do you think the biggest challenge in getting youth to look seriously into what Jesus Christ is all about? What's that biggest challenge in doing that? The biggest challenge is environment for them. You know, I think they just have to be around it. I think it has to be consistent. And, you know, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And then when they're around it, you know, uh, we always have this saying uh, <laughs> with, with, with youth ministers that children beget children. And so, uh, or youth beget youth. And when they see their peers uh, operating and doing some of the things in church and ministry or whatever, then it attracts others. Yeah. Yeah. It, attracts, it attracts their friends, it attracts the, their peers, and I think that's the greatest evangelistic tool that, you know what, it doesn't matter how cool, how many ripped jeans I have, and, and how many joys I might wear, and if I cut my hair a little fancy way, it doesn't matter, Yes, because at the end of the day, they can reach the people I can't. That's exactly right. Well, are you seeing youth, Brennan, handle this pandemic? Are they handling it being overwhelmed and discouraged? Are they coming with ideas? I mean, how do you see this pandemic? impacting our young people? I, I would say both. I think uh, I think initially they were happy to get out of school, you know, and then all of a sudden then they realized, you know what, I'm tired of being in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, and so is mom and dad, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mom and dad's like, I'm ready for them to go back. I'm dropping them <laughs> off as soon as they say. But, you know, to answer that question, man, I just really feel like, you know, we're just in a position where we are really kind of just leaning on each other as we're all going through it. As long as I'm just being there for them, you know, it is a challenge um, for them. Some are taking it easier than others. Some are not. But we just want to make sure that we're always present there, even though we can't be in physical uh, connection with them. We're always present with them. You know, and most of them are not doing anything. They're just at the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, have there been projects that your church is connected to youth with as you reach out into the community? Absolutely. Uh, we have definitely 
uh, trying to make sure that we make some type of imprint, you know, and, and it, 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 of course it's not enough, but we are feeding people on a regular basis. Uh, and this is an opportunity for our young people to kind of come in and help participate in that and get back, you know, and pay it forward. We're feeding the community and we're doing different special projects where they can be the people that's leading the charge, you know, leading the charge in the community. You know, how do I care for my community? How can I care for my seniors? How can I care for those who are less fortunate for me? And then you guess what? You got some people that are less fortunate who are also on that team leading the charge. Somehow. Yes. Their mindset and their uh, opportunity. Okay, well, I need groceries, but I'm in this line helping other people get groceries. I think that's such a a different mindset shift and change for them, and it's so eye opening. And I let them do it. You know, I don't micromanage. I just let them do it because you know they're smart and well able enough to get that done. Oh yes, they are. Yeah. Brennan Hill is the youth and young adult pastor at Pursuit of God Church, Memphis. Brennan, our time is gone. I have thoroughly enjoyed. I'm so glad God connected us together to do this show. We've got to get back together. I only asked half of my questions to you, so (laughs) are you willing to do another show sometime in the near future? Absolutely willing to do it, man. I I love you, and I appreciate what you're doing, man. You're doing an awesome job. Love you, my friend. Hey, if friends want to connect with you, your ministry, what can they do? Sure, absolutely. You can follow me on uh, Facebook at Brennan Hill. Literally, Brennan Hill, B-R-E-N-N-A-N-H-I-L-L, or on Instagram on, as Brennan Hill 88, which is the year I was born. I might change that because I think that dates me. <laughs> well, I, I have a son that was born in 88. That was a good year. My son, Jason. It was, I, you, know, you know what? You know what? I take it back then. It's a good year. <laughs> it was a good year. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good year. Right? Instagram, Brennan Hill 88. Or if you want to uh, hear more about relationship tips, me and my wife have a page called Relationship Beats and where we come in and we uh, just do relationship tips on what we've learned and actually bring in also other uh, specialized people, young couples, dating couples, and it's called Relationship Beats. Oh, I love it. We'll have to get you and Brittany in together sometime. That'll be great. Oh, that'd be dope. She yeah, I love it. The whole time, but don't tell us that. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have to say goodbye, Brennan. Thank you so much, my dear brother, for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom in our city. Thanks for stopping by today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, God bless you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Hope you have a great afternoon. Bye-bye now.